Social Ventures Australia brings you this podcast from the SVA Quarterly, sharing insights from SVA's work and from across the social sector. Hello, my name's Annabelle Roxon, and I'm part of the consulting team at SVA. In this audio, I'll be looking at intermediaries in the social sector. Although field building intermediaries play an important role in social sector ecosystems, What they do and the kind of funding they need to sustain their work and impact is less well understood. This audio is based on the article titled Social Sector Intermediaries. What are they and what do they need? Published in the SVA quarterly. The article provides links to all of the source material referenced throughout this audio. The work of field building intermediaries is complex and can be difficult to define yet they play an important role in addressing some of the greatest social challenges. These organisations engage and coordinate the efforts of multiple organisations towards a common goal. They can bring about systemic change in a way that's challenging for traditional not-for-profit organisations. Their unique sector or system level perspective enables them to identify challenging issues in their field and work to achieve sustained social change. But often these intermediaries struggle to obtain funding that's appropriate and timely to sustain their work and impact. Social Ventures Australia has published a report, Insights on Australian Field Building Intermediaries and Their Funding Journeys Towards Sustainable Impact. There is also a case study companion, Case Studies of Australian Field Building Intermediaries. Both are funded by the Paul Ramsey Foundation. The report outlines the funding journeys and key success factors behind eight field building intermediaries and identifies the funding approaches needed for deep and sustainable change. Critically, the report also highlights for the first time what philanthropic funders need to understand about field building intermediaries and how best they can support and enable these organisations to succeed. At the report's launch, CEOs from five of the case study organisations shared their insights and experience about the unique challenges that intermediaries face. These CEOs were Tessa Boyd-Kane, CEO of Health Justice Australia, Carolyn Curtis, CEO of the Australian Centre for Social Innovation, TAXI, Sarah Hopkins, co-chair of Just Reinvest New South Wales, Jane Hunt, CEO of The Front Project, and Diane Jackson, former CEO of Opportunity Child, currently the CEO of Key Assets. The conversation was facilitated by Susie Riddell, SVA CEO. I'll share some of their views and experiences here as we answer the following four questions. One, what are field building intermediaries? Two, what impact do they have? Three, what are the funding challenges and opportunities they face? And four, what role can philanthropy play beyond funding? So to start answering number one, what are field building intermediaries? The terms intermediary and field building intermediary and the bounds of those definitions mean different things to different people. The reports use the following definition. A field building intermediary engages and coordinates nonprofits, funders and other stakeholders to deal with critical unaddressed needs in a field, such as building partnerships or sharing best practices. Jane Hunt is CEO of The Front Project, an intermediary which works to improve the equity, accessibility and quality of the early learning system in Australia in order to improve outcomes for children experiencing disadvantage and vulnerability. 
Hunt said that intermediaries respond to complex social and environmental issues. She says, they are organisations and collaborations that focus on systemic change to tackle inequality or inequity. These types of organisations are growing in Australia, but are prevalent overseas because we know that complex social issues can't be solved by one organisation or one program. We, intermediaries, seek to understand how issues are kept in place. We look at working with all actors or stakeholders around an issue to bring about change. And when we say actors or stakeholders, we call that the field. Intermediaries work in many ways. So often what we'll do is seek to understand what will create change and put in the activities that are going to be levers for that change. According to Hunt, examples of field building could be developing the capability of people and organisations to think differently about the problems they face. It could be convening people around different issues. It could be tackling research, developing policy, including beneficiaries, those who most experience an issue, in the solutions. Hunt called it sophisticated work because all of us have to understand what dynamics are at play at any time in a system. She says, we have to understand relationships and power and how to mobilise those to bring about change. We often focus on population level change. We support and we influence the action of others. We see and we listen to a whole system and we act on behalf of the whole rather than a particular vested interest. We inquire, diagnose, respond and iterate, always seeking the long-term impact. Another way to answer the question is by considering how intermediaries are different from other nonprofits. Traditional service delivery focused nonprofit organisations cannot on their own address system-wide challenges. Cycles of disadvantage are multifaceted and breaking those cycles requires addressing a complex constellation of tangled up factors that defy cookie cutter solutions. As Mark Kabaj describes in his report, evaluating the results of intermediary organisations, a paper for intermediaries in Australia. Tessa Boyd-Kane, Health Justice Australia CEO, said that one key distinction between intermediaries and other not-for-profits is that as intermediaries, we think about what we're working between and what we are mediating. Health Justice Australia is an intermediary which describes itself as a national centre of excellence for health justice partnerships a collaborative service model bringing access to legal help into healthcare teams and settings. Key activities of Health Justice Australia include developing an evidence base and translating it into knowledge, building the capability of practitioners to work collaboratively and driving systems change through advocacy. Boyd Kane says, with Health Justice Australia, we're working between service systems help them respond better to multiple intersecting problems in the lives of people that they're helping. These kinds of intersecting health and legal problems are common in people's lives, but our service systems behave as though they're discrete and completely unrelated. Services are part of the complexity that communities and people are navigating, even when those services are here to help. Boyd Kane said that through its support of health justice partnerships, Health Justice Australia is itself an example of systemic change. We scale up the impact of these partnerships by working with practitioners right across the country, building the capability of practitioners to collaborate. 
we complement that capability by building an evidence base. Then we bring that research and practitioner-based evidence into our policy advocacy, where we're talking to the people who are designing, funding and shaping the ecosystem at a state, regional and national level. It's a strategy that requires us to work with multiple actors at multiple levels of the system simultaneously towards a shared purpose of improved service effectiveness. That in turn should improve health and justice outcomes in people's lives. Another angle is to explore the different roles that intermediaries play. The report identifies four categories which were defined by the Bridgespan Group. Number one, field catalyst, which deploys different capabilities, quietly influencing and augmenting the field's efforts to achieve population level change. Number two, capability specialist, which provides one supporting capability to the field. Number three, evidence action lab, which focuses on research and development, advising policymakers and helping the field's practitioners learn, improve and scale solutions. And number four, place-based backbone, which coordinates local and regional cross-sector stakeholders and supports them in collectively transforming a fragmented field. Hunt said, some intermediaries play multiple roles. Some of them are actors in the system themselves, as well as directly influencing the field building. For example, the front project plays a number of roles. It's a field catalyst that works to enable system improvement across the entire early childhood education and care sector. But it's also an actor in the system that directly supports the sector through upskilling and capability building programs. Carolyn Curtis is CEO of the Australian Centre for Social Innovation, a social innovation organisation that aims to demonstrate new solutions and build the innovation capacity of Australia's social change sector to tackle the country's toughest problems. Taxi, as it's known, has attributes of an evidence action lab and capability specialist. Curtis said that Taxi had reinvented its, itself a number of times over its 13 year life, each time playing quite different roles. It depends on the change you're trying to create. So to take a fixed position over time is not helpful. As we learn, those roles continue to evolve. Curtis explained how she describes the three different roles that Taxi currently plays. She says, the first is the role of a demonstrator. Sometimes folks struggle to imagine what's possible. So we play a demonstration role, normally at a small scale to help give a sense of what might be possible if you brought different types of expertise and knowledge together. Usually that unlocks all sorts of new ideas and horizons. The second is we see the whole as greater than the sum of its parts. We're trying to understand what are the different parts of a system that you could bring together that would create a greater level of change. The third, and by far the most challenging, is as tension holder. The holder of the tension of the roles, of the institutions, of the interests, of the different types of knowledge and of the power. Having someone able to see those tensions is critical. Then it's about holding them and knowing when the scale tips a little bit too far one way. These multiple and changing roles of intermediaries make planning for an end state funding model challenging. Intermediaries need to remain responsive and agile, as the report says. It's well understood that the type of work undertaken by field building intermediaries requires an ability to be continuously agile and opportunistic throughout the catalyzing stage 
and into the growth stage. Changes in priorities or responding to an opportunity in the external environment can also open up new funding models which were not previously available or relevant. So to our second question, what impact do intermediaries have? Intermediaries play a number of different roles, coordinating others to make change in their particular field. Here are some examples from the case studies which highlight the range of influence and impact an intermediary can have. Enhancing the impact of other organisations and communities such as Health Justice Australia's work to build evidence and support capability with health justice partnerships across the country. Working across systems to build the field, such as Indigenous Eye Health's work with Aboriginal and other health organisations to coordinate services for Indigenous Eye Health. Or directly influencing people's lives, such as Taxi's Family by Family program, which supports improvements in families' lives. The research report Evaluating the Results of Intermediary Organisations, a paper for intermediaries in Australia, by Mark Cabage, explains some of the complexity in identifying and measuring the change intermediaries make. He says, whenever intermediaries witness or even measure change, it almost always has been influenced by multiple actors, interventions and factors operating in an often messy constellation of non-linear cause and effect relationships. Sarah Hopkins is co-chair of Just Reinvest New South Wales, an intermediary that works to reduce the number of Aboriginal people being imprisoned by using a justice reinvestment approach. This approach redirects resources from prisons into building stronger communities. To do this, Just Reinvest New South Wales works alongside Aboriginal communities to support place-based, community-led and data-driven approaches to improve public safety and reduce criminal justice spending. As an intermediary, it describes itself as a backbone to place-based backbones. Hopkins said, in terms of impact when you're working with First Nations communities, particularly with a focus on incarceration, the chief outcome you need to have is that communities are leading. That took a long time with our first community in Burke, New South Wales. Creating trust is a starting point, but it's also an end point. It's hard for government to understand that that is an outcome in itself, that communities trust enough to sit at a table with police, with courts or with the school. You need to be able to do impact assessments, but you need to be clear that that bureaucratic data is not what the end game is. You need to have resilience around data. We're not gonna get everything right because we're not a program that's being rolled out. There's so many external factors at play. What we need to do is change the mindset of government so that communities are allowed to fail. They're allowed to try and not get things right. So what are the challenges that intermediaries face in demonstrating impact? The case study surfaced that one barrier to philanthropic support is funders' expectations about how impact needs to be evidenced. Funders may expect to see evidence of outcomes for individual beneficiaries before they will fund, or they will require that impact be demonstrated early in the funding period. This seems to be driven by a lack of understanding by funders of the invisible yet important and evolving role that field builders play. SBA's report found that 
being able to demonstrate evidence of impact or a contribution to outcomes enabled a number of case study intermediaries to secure additional or new funding from philanthropy and government. Diane Jackson, now CEO of Key Assets, is the former CEO of Opportunity Child, an intermediary which, before it ceased operations, provided a range of functions to an emerging field of place-based systems change actors focused on improving population level outcomes for children experiencing vulnerability. Opportunity Child demonstrated the attributes of a backbone to place-based backbones, field catalyst, capability specialist, and evidence action lab. Jackson said the biggest challenge was articulating impact well enough for someone to support it with untied funding. She said, intermediaries play a glue role and glue is invisible. Hunt believes you have to work hard to find ways of measuring impact. She said, but it can be done. We developed a monitoring evaluation learning strategy to think about how we measure, for example, policy influence. We're working out how to get better at capturing impact. Kabaja's report highlights a key implication for funders saying, avoid holding intermediaries strictly accountable for achieving changes in systems and reductions in disadvantage. This creates perverse incentives for them to attempt to drive and manage all of the efforts. SVA's report says, better methods are needed to measure the impact of collaborative efforts and their ability to co-design new solutions. Unless this impact measurement shifts, governance and funding practice will not be able to adapt and respond to intermediary needs and impact performance. To our third question, what are the funding challenges and opportunities for intermediaries? A majority of the case study intermediaries highlighted the importance of multi-year funding that reflects the nature of an intermediary's work at its different stages of development. Intermediaries also stressed the need for funding to be patient. A funder's expectation for what can be achieved needs to be consistent with the intermediary's priorities. The Bridge Span Group's recent research on the philanthropic funding needs of field building intermediaries urges that funders commit to the long-term. Funding the work over an extended period, often at least a decade, enables the deep relationship building that powers field-based change and allows for the non-linear progress that defines nearly every field success story. Hunt agrees and stressed that intermediaries need and benefit from long-term patient funding that covers indirect costs and capability building because the horizon for meaningful change is medium to long-term. She said, it releases organisations like us from a treadmill of trying to pitch for or stitch together short-term funding. Case study intermediaries found it challenging to secure untied funding for indirect costs and investment in capability building. Many intermediaries highlighted that both philanthropic and government funders focus on funding specific programs or initiatives rather than core operations. This challenge contributes to a number of other issues, including intermediary leaders spending significant time on securing funding through funder engagement and relationship building, the ongoing risk of losing talent due to uncertainty of ongoing employment, an over-reliance on in-kind overhead support from supporting or auspicing organisations, 
and significant time invested in exploring and in some cases introducing fee-for-service activities to contribute to indirect costs with the associated risk of mission drift. The lack of funding for overhead or indirect costs is part of a broader challenge across the for-purpose sector, known as the non-profit starvation cycle. This is where the expectation of funders and for-purpose organisations of how much overhead is needed to run a for-purpose organisation leads to underinvestment and inefficiencies. This is explored in detail in the report, Indirect Costs in the Australian For-Purpose Sector, Paying What It Takes for Australian For-Purpose Organisations to Create Long-Term Impact, a report by the Centre for Social Impact and SVA. SVA also demonstrates many of the attributes of a field building intermediary and experiences a number of the challenges outlined in this article in securing appropriate and timely funding to sustain its impact. Susie Riddell, SVA's CEO, spoke about how precious untied funding is for SVA. She said, if you're a philanthropist or working for a philanthropic organisation, you can rest assured that you will bring more impact and more joy by giving in this way. It allows our organisation to invest in research so that we understand the evidence, build partnerships so that we can collaborate and work on the end game, the options for achieving scale. It allows us to do the policy and advocacy thinking before presenting it as something that could be funded. And it strengthens our organisation by investing in our people, capability, leadership skills, technology, infrastructure, and ability to survive. Hunt said, all intermediaries need untied and flexible funding because you need to be able to do activities such as convening and converting evidence to policy. You need to do all of these kinds of things as the moment arises. If I had tied funding, I would not be able to respond to the policy windows in early learning at the moment because I wouldn't have the capacity to do that. And that would be a wasted opportunity for all children in Australia. Hunt pointed out that just because it is untied and flexible doesn't mean there's no accountability. She said, it's the opposite. An intermediary will be able to tell you what conditions in the system they're trying to change, whether it's funding, policy or relationships. They'll be able to tell you how they came to understand that issue, what they're going to do to tackle it and how they should be able to measure impact. Another misperception that Hunt called out is sometimes there's an assumption that you're either for programmatic funding or you're for systemic funding. It's an and, she said. The case studies also highlighted the benefits to intermediaries of securing multiple philanthropic funders to support their work at any stage. Most obviously, there is the potential that multiple funders can result in a larger quantum of funding. But a diversity of funders can also serve as a safety net if one funder ceases its support. Referring to this protective factor, Riddell said, we love it when funders work together to collaboratively fund. It makes a big difference. We learn different things from different funders. You have different funding cycles and different needs. You've got different expertise. We have valued a diversity of funders because of the diversification of ways of thinking, ways of supporting, the networks that you get access to, 
and the halo effect of having multiple brands associated with the works. The report highlights that there can be challenges for intermediaries in managing a mix of philanthropic funders. Case study intermediaries noted that if an intermediary secures substantial funding from one philanthropic funder, there can be a reticence for other funders to provide additional support. This may be due to a perception that the larger funder has sufficient resources to provide all of the support the intermediary needs. There's also a perception that other funders, specifically smaller funders, will have less influence over the use of the philanthropic funds. Across the case studies, intermediaries secured a number of different funding models to support them at the catalyzing stage. According to Hunt, we've all needed catalytic funding. The Front Project was fortunate. We had catalytic funding so we could explore and understand the opportunities to improve developmental outcomes for children in Australia. It means you can do better work in the long term. A common funding model in the catalyzing stage was funding or substantial in-kind support from an auspicing or supporting organisation, often a not-for-profit working in the field or a philanthropic foundation combined with some sort of external philanthropic support. In six of the eight case studies, some form of auspicing arrangement was present at the catalyzing stage. The case studies highlighted that auspicing arrangements can be a protective factor at the catalyzing stage across all types of field builders. For intermediaries which were auspiced by another organization, this provided a range of benefits. These included the cost-effective provision of in-kind support, including people resources, a secure funding contribution, the ability to leverage the reputation of an existing organisation, the efficiencies inherent with accessing existing infrastructure and systems, and the ability to access a safety net where intended <clears throat> and the ability to access a safety net where intended funding is not secured or there's a timing gap between funding streams. The research also looked at developing a fee-for-service offering. It may seem obvious, but this is only successful for field builders with a product or service to sell in a market which is willing to pay for that product or service. Even when the potential is there, it can still be challenging. Building a fee-for-service business requires specific skills and capabilities and even if executed well, may only just cover its costs or make a small contribution to organisational overheads. Focusing on delivering a fee-for-service offering also carries a risk of distracting an intermediary from its core activities and mission. Riddell said, at SBA, we grapple all the time with how to pursue an equity lens whilst also looking for fee-for-service income. These two things can pull in different directions. The communities who would most benefit from the work are often those with the least amount of resources to pay for it. And finally, what role can philanthropy play beyond funding? Philanthropic funders can be highly effective in supporting field builders in ways other than the provision of funding. This includes by attracting other philanthropic funders to support the intermediary's work, the provision of in-kind support, and in supporting and building the broader ecosystem. The case studies also highlighted that philanthropic funders are more likely to support field builders financially and otherwise, 
if they understand the value and role of field builders in the for-purpose sector. Boyd Kane said, our most significant partnerships in terms of impact have been with funders that have also thought about what we are trying to do and what we can do together. The best partnerships are based on relationships first and foremost, on trust and understanding. That's not warm, fuzzy, fireside chats. It's hard to have conversations with your funder about what it's going to take in dollars and in work. We need to be crystal clear about our strategy and how we might measure outcomes. But we can't guarantee those outcomes. This is not a watertight story. She said, part of the work with funders is to encourage a learning system. Even if we can't achieve granular level health and justice outcomes at an individual, community, service or system level, if we can encourage services, their funders and the people accessing them to learn about what better looks like, we've made progress. But that's not always a comfortable position from which to be talking to funders. Jackson stressed that intermediaries are not like other organisations or projects. She said, you're not putting a product on the table or building a widget. It's so much more complex than that. You need partnerships with philanthropy that have a willingness and an openness to understand that and to go deep into the conversation about what that means and how the work looks because of it. There needs to be some sort of longevity of support, funding and partnership. Where it works well is where there's true partnership with the same goals in mind. That goal might be the outcome, but also what's necessary to achieve that outcome. In summary, the case studies shine a light on the valuable yet often invisible work of Australian field building intermediaries. The reports and the perspectives of intermediary CEOs shared in this article aim to raise awareness of the important role of intermediaries and promote a step change in the way funders think about how they can best support intermediaries in their journey to sustainable impact. Based on SBA's work, Paul Ramsey Foundation has outlined the observations for funders in a short guide called Growing Fields, Shifting Systems, a guide to effectively funding field building intermediaries. Links to all the reports and references can be found in the article, Social Sector Intermediaries, What Are They and What Do They Need? on the SBA Quarterly website. Related podcasts and articles can be found on the SBA Quarterly site www.socialventures.com.au forward slash sva hyphen quarterly forward slash.